Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Cheryl Selman, and welcome to What Women Must Know. This is a show empowering you with truthful information so you can make the most informed decisions possible regarding your health and well-being. And as always, it's great having you here. I'm just so pleased you are part of the growing community that really has an interest in becoming all that they can be. And if you are listening for the very first time, I want to thank you for being here. I invite you to listen on a regular basis to my shows. Actually, I have another show on Progressive Radio Network called The Love Code, and that's every Saturday at 11 a.m., in addition to What Women Must Know. And if you'd like to get those shows and you don't want to miss out, which, of course, you don't want to miss out, then um, here's some options. You can go to my Facebook page, which is What Women Must Know, because I post the archive shows there, or you can opt into my website, which is what women. Nope, sorry, oh, no, nope, I'm stuck on that Facebook page. I'm going back to my website, and it's Cheryl Sel- Dr. Cheryl Selman. Dr. com. I don't want to confuse anyone there. So the website is Dr. Cheryl Selman. com, and opt into my website to the newsletter, and I will send you those archive shows. So either way, I hope you'll be joining me every week because these conversations are so important, and they really make such a difference in our lives, in our understanding of who we are and what's going on in the world. And we're going to talk about a great conversation, a great topic with my inspiring guest today. We're going to be having this conversation about trusting your animal instincts to recharge your life and ignite your power with my guest, Tabitha A. Scott, and a little bit about Tabitha. She is an international author, speaker, and advisor on powering personal potential. Her book, Trust Your Animal Instincts, is set to be released, or actually it's already released, I believe, and formerly a CEO of Cole Scott Group and Military Assistance Company and Senior Vice President of Innovation and Sustainability at Global Companies, Balfour BD Investments, and Land Lease Americas. She has deep experience bringing inspirational messages to professional, academic, female-focused, and faith-based audiences. So we have a great conversation and inspirational conversation in store for you today, and I want to personally welcome Tabitha A. Scott to the show today. So, Tabitha, it's just a pleasure to have you on What Women Must Know. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me, Cheryl. Well, you know, looking at your bio, it's it's pretty impressive. I mean, being a CEO, I mean, these are companies that are very much high profile. They have, you know, great resources. They just seem to be um power <laughs> companies, and here you are as a woman right there helping to lead, which is impressive in itself. And I know you have a well, great story. Oh, you're so welcome. And, um, you know, it's fascinating to talk to women who have been in the corporate world and have also gone through their own transformational journey. So uh, I'd like you to start by sharing a bit of your journey and, and the journey that led you to ultimately this path you're on and writing your book, because it's a pretty fascinating story. So I want you to just jump right in and and share your personal transformational story. 
Well, thank you. I'm excited to be able to share today. My personal story began with growing up on a small farm in rural Kentucky and uh, finding myself over the years growing into a global executive. And I worked internationally, mostly with renewable energy, and um, set up financial programs and um, large solar arrays and and things like that. And so my work was in new technologies, change management, and um, whatever program I was working on, it seemed to be related to innovation or some sort of transformation, if you will. And what I learned over those years in my career was that there are all sorts of transformations, but having something that's purposeful would allow you to get your ideas through more quickly and more quickly and clearly implemented in the organizations. And so I did a lot of studies with behavior change and how people adopt new ideas um, to come to that conclusion. Then in my personal life, at the same time, I was dealing with what I call the should monster. And I heard one of your other recent guests talking about we should on ourselves. We say that we should be the perfect mom. We should be the perfect executive. Uh, we should spend more time at home. We should have a more healthy dinner. We should look really cute. And uh, so we end up shooting all over ourselves. And I called that the should monster in my book. And we have these pressures as an executive, as a parent, as a female, that um, we oftentimes don't deal with. And a lot of the work you've done that have, have helped women so much is in acknowledging and processing and embracing what's happening to us. Well, I didn't do that. Uh, so in my story, I kept these worlds separate and tried to do them both perfectly and um, ended up getting so burnt out that I quit my good job, um, ended a 21-year marriage, and uh, gave away most of my things. I lived in the jungles of Costa Rica for three months and really had to think about how do we reconnect, how do we recharge, and what's next for my life. And what I learned there was that we can reconnect at any time. We're born with that ability. And my background in both electrical energy as well as human biofield energy, how we live and think and interact energetically, allowed me to come to this epiphany, hey, I can share this with other people. I can help people recharge and understand how this abundant gift of happiness, of positivity, of connectedness, it's there for all of us all the time. And so that's what my book is about. And um, in a short synopsis, that's kind of my story. So can you share a little bit more about that decision to go into the deep jungles of Costa Rica, that seemed to be quite an extreme um, a choice to make in in this journey. Obviously, obviously, from you, from what you've been sharing, you know, you you had that moment uh, in one's life of awakening. It's like an epiphany when you reevaluate everything, and it's like you step out of the matrix, as I like to call it. And the fact that you chose to reconnect with your 
instinctual self, which you know, which your which your true self through the jungles of Costa Rica, I find really fascinating. So, can you share a little bit about what that, well, you know, how you chose that experience, or maybe that experience chose you, and what that was like and what you learned? Sure, I'd be happy to. And first of all, I'll I'll cut to the end of the equation and say that nobody has to go to a jungle to recharge, but I'll tell you why I did. I was raised by two elementary school um, teachers, and my mother especially was always exposing us to um, caterpillars or butterflies or nature. And so there was no good or bad animals. They were all purposeful and beneficial in our world. And so I was a animal nut and always had been. And um, when I thought about getting away for a while, I literally wanted to get away from electronics, from the emails, from the day-to-day technology that's moving so fast. And to do that, I began asking some of my friends. As I said, I quit my job, so I couldn't go to some big resort and uh, spend a lot of money. And so I began asking friends, do you know anyone that has a place? And a friend of mine had another friend with a place in Costa Rica. And uh, I knew it was near the jungle. I knew it was near the ocean. So in my mind's eye, I thought, oh, you know, this will be a nice condo where I can, you know, cycle anywhere that I need to. The nearest village is only about five miles away. I can cycle that in no, no time at all. And so I agreed. And I stayed on for a few months at about the same cost it would take to go to Disney for a week. And when I got there, I realized it's an hour and a half from paved roads. It was, um, you know, literally the jungle is in my back door. And the the potholes in the roads, you can't bicycle there. Um, (laughs) You can, you know, dirt bike if you get one with big knobby tires. But it literally was very um, third world. And So it it was an experience I hadn't really planned for. I was in such a state of mind that I just thought, hey, I'll figure it out when I get there, and took my laptop and phone, assuming I could just Google whatever I needed once I got there, and then um, was hit with the reality that you have no cell phone service. (laughs) You can't get on your your laptop um, to connect, so you have to go to the nearest village. Um, So it was an eye-opener for me. So you found yourself <laughs> truly in a situation where you were disconnected from all your devices and from the outside world. And what was that experience like and what did you learn? Well, it was scary in some ways. And uh, in other ways, it was absolutely wonderful because it gave me the space to connect with the animals around me, with nature to really get lost in both literally and figuratively in the water and the nature and the heat and the climate, the local people and their passions. It really helped me redefine what success is meant to be because I think, especially in the United States, we often associate that with monetary gain or monetary assets. And it really occurred very strongly to me that success is being able to tap into that childlike happiness 
that we had as a kid. You know, when um, you forget to eat and, and your mom has to call you in for dinner or you're so busy doing something that you completely lose track of time. And it was that ability to reconnect with that and to do it in a way that I could still connect whenever I came back home. You didn't have to be in the jungle, but that's the place where I figured out, um, hey, this thing that we've been talking about with spirituality and um, different religions use different terms um, for the spirit. But for me, scientifically, it all clicked that it's the same beautiful energy, and we all have it. You know, I have found that um, we get so used to living in our modern life. So unless you step out, and especially if you step out in a really radical way, you don't realize how you've been locked in to the um, everyday reality with the the limitations. It kind of closes us down to these immense awarenesses and possibilities. And I think it's because we live in a world that is distracting us all the time. We're distracted. We're distracted by, you know, our devices, television. We're distracted by what whatever we're doing in our life to keep us going and doing. And the great sages and the great teachers and the great masters have always said, in order to find God or in order to find inner peace or in order to find that connection with your own love, you have to find silence. The the world is a distraction and externalized and the truth comes from being quiet and connecting within. So I really, you know, admire that uh, courage you had to suddenly sever all those distractions, and you just became, it seems to me from what I've read and from what you've shared in your story, that you just became present, much more present to life again. And it's not always easy to do that, to hear your intuition. Um, that's one of the things energetically that made more sense to me was um, you can get in vibe or in the same sync with something and be able to pull more intuition from it. For example, billionaires like Oprah and Elon Musk and Richard Branson, they all attribute their success to intuition, but how do you hear it? And if you can't have silence, if you have children at home or if you have to be out in a very busy day-to-day scene, what can you do about that? And One of the ways that I've found that you can find that peace is by doing things that give you a little bit higher vibration because high vibes are positive feelings. And so finding those things that you do lose track of time, that you're so absorbed in, that make you hum subconsciously, what are those things that you find yourself smiling when you're doing? And then find ways to do more of those. You don't have to figure out your whole life purpose all at once. Just figure out a little life game. You know, this week I'm going to do more playing the piano or I'm going to notice more birds in the trees. Whatever raises your vibe, do more of those things and you can find that peace for yourself. 
So can you explain what you mean when you say raise your vibe? That that has a lot of connotations for, you know, a lot of different people and different uh, traditions. So what what is your definition of that? Well, coming from a background of um, I'm a certified energy manager, so understanding the way electricity works and frequencies work, um, an example would be, a satellite might be operating at a much higher frequency than an AM radio station. And so based on what you're tuning into, the level of refinement you'll be able to hear, the clarity, um, the types of things you can transmit at that speed are going to be different. And so when I talk about vibes, I am literally talking about the vibration, the energetic vibe of your own body that um, when we we use terms in our language all the time and we don't think about it, well, he lights up a room or she was spun up with excitement. Um, your vibe is literally raised when you are excited, you're operating at a higher frequency or when you're happy. And some of the highest vibe emotions are love and compassion. So um, when you're experiencing those, or you're giving those, you're at a higher vibe state. And so what I'm saying is when I say raise your vibe, love more, do things that you love, because if you can feel those high vibe emotions, you can raise your own vibe. And that is so important because when you can, um, as you say, raise your own vibe, you are um, – how would I say this? It's like you, you enter um, a place where possibilities exist. You enter a place where healing can happen. You enter a place where you can manifest intentions. This is the real power that we're here to understand and claim. And that has certainly been taught to us throughout the ages from all the great teachers, all the great you know spiritual traditions. This is how we make our life truly um, a magical experience and it's something that we have to learn because or relearn it depends what our experience is early in life because our culture um, keeps us in that uh, outward you know outward out, outward energy outward um, stance and um, I mean you had to literally stand still at that point when you were in Costa Rica to have that ability to be present again and reconnect. But it doesn't Absolutely. have to be that and way, obviously. It's not, not everyone's past. Right, but there is something to that. I, I'd like to say that the, the way to get fast forward is to hit pause. Um, and that goes back to um, you were talking about how we can perceive things from others, from the world around us when we're in that state. And I talk about my journey with animals and quite literally I would be asking the universe, what should I do? I'm burnt out with this job. You know, I've got relationships in my life that aren't healthy. I've got a cancer scare. What are the things, you know, what should I do about all of this? And I kept seeing snakes and I Googled snakes. I asked friends about them. I was saying, hey, is there a snake pandemic going on near Nashville, Tennessee? And we couldn't figure it out. I just kept seeing more and more. And finally, 
it hit me like a bolt of lightning, shed your skin. Shed your skin. Mm. Snakes shed it for two reasons. One is they can't grow. They literally have to let go of everything holding them back so they can grow into the powerful things that they were meant to be. And the second reason is parasites live in there. And I was thinking about how many parasites, my job, the unhealthy relationships, the stress had I let into my life. And so shed your skin. And that was the message that I needed to say, okay, I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to change my name back to my maiden name. I'm going to shed the things that are holding me back or have become parasitic to my health. <laughs> that must have been such um, an amazing moment for you when you had that profound insight and the message that you were being given that you that you understood, you know, you, it, it got through <laughs> eventually, uh, which when you think about it is so amazing that these messages are there for us all the time if we can just be present and observe. And that's exactly it. If you can be in a high-vibe state, then it becomes faster and faster and easier and easier. And throughout my book, the snakes are the first one that I mention, but things like scorpions. You know, I kept seeing scorpions, and they they told me I might encounter one while I was there, but I had uh, eight in a period of 48 hours, which is just it's unheard of. And I tried to treat them with love and, you know, capture them and, and throw them outside, but as a, you know, Kentucky gal, I had never seen a scorpion. It was pretty horrifying. And um, finally just said, you know, what is this message? Um, and luckily it just took me two days instead of many months like the snake message to figure out. It was that I had built a very hard shell, this exoskeleton around my heart, and I hadn't let love come in, and therefore I wasn't able to fully let it out either. And so it was a message about letting down those tough barriers and as soon as I had that epiphany, as soon as I took action into it, they stopped coming. Wow, that's so amazing. And there's so many cultures around the world that are closer to nature, indigenous cultures, that actually understand how we are getting messages and signals and animals have meanings. We have totems. You know, this. it's just... Um, it becomes a magical world when we are open to it. It's a very magical world when you're open to it. It is. And you think about how many lessons we can learn from these animals, and many of them are misunderstood or maybe they have a bad rap. Um, but like the bats, when I would do <laughs> yoga every day, bats would come and light next to me. There were seven little bats, and they would come and do their little – clerks and chirps and clucks. And I named them after the seven dwarfs, you know, and there I am upside down and they're upside down. And um, it was, you know, this wonderful community um, sense of, of having them there. And, um, you know, I, I looked up bats after this and they literally cannot fly from the ground. They can't take off. So they have to let go. They have to completely let go and take the risk of falling to their death 
before they can fly, before they can reach the heights and get their nourishment that they're supposed to get. And so there I was, you know, doing yoga and trying to connect with myself and trying to figure out how do I let go? How do I fly? How do I get to the next place in my life? And the whole time they keep coming back and they're like, hey, look at me. I'm telling you how. Um, So the messages are all around us. We just have to, you know, take them in and be grateful for them. I love that story. That's wonderful. (laughs) Doing yoga with the bats, you know, trying to teach your yoga teachers, obviously. Obviously. I cannot hang upside down by my feet, though. I'm just letting you know. (laughs) That's great. So you you had this transformative time. Uh, Obviously, you were... At a at a, a very profound place in your life, you know, you had lived this traditional life. You had arrived at a place of, you know, what the world would consider great success, being the CEO of a company, and um, you know all the other great things you were doing. And yet, um, that wasn't really where you were able to find your truth. And you had to let it all go. You had to release it all. And, um, and and begin the journey, begin that heroine's journey to your true self. So where has that taken you, Tabitha? So how long ago did that happen? I think it's been a process. It um, has been evolving slowly over the years. And in retrospect, I see how the universe has had such a strong hand in allowing me to study like human biofields and allowing me to study um, electrical energy and um, the complexity of what we learn along the way helps us with our journey to finding what really resonates with us. And so I would say it's an ongoing journey and it took me three years from the time I got back um, from Costa Rica to articulate it in a way, these epiphanies that I had there, that I could write it down. For others, and thankfully, I had a great editor who suggested let's let's do this in sections. Talk about what led to burnout. Talk about what happened in Costa Rica, and then do your how tos at the end. How people can protect themselves energetically, and how that happens. And it took me a very long time to get that how to section sorted in my mind in a way that anybody could pick it up, whether they're ten years old or eighty years old and comprehend it, but yet having it uh, validated by physicists and people that, um, because I wanted to reach out to the science community as well and say, hey, this isn't all woo-woo. It's, you know, physics and vibes, and um, you guys get this. It's just quantum science. So what are some of the strategies or tools or techniques that you are sharing with people through your book? Yeah, I think probably the most popular one is the stop shooting on yourself. You can reduce your stress and your burnout. If you identify your pressures as the should monster, that's what I call it. And that way by decoupling it psychologically, and you could say a lot more about this than, than me from the psychological perspective, but it it gives you a way to decouple that from maybe I'm disappointing my mom or my spouse or my boss or my friends. And we use that in psychology 
um, for things like addiction or abuse, it helps to decouple it. And so that's one of the tips that has resonated with people um, pretty well. And then realizing also that energy attacks, um, being off energetically, it is every bit as real as a physical attack. And what I mean by that, if someone comes after you with a baseball bat, you're going to see it and you're going to run away. But if you, um, if someone walks in a room and you feel sick at your gut or, you know, the coronavirus is going on and everybody's feeling off because like the second law of thermodynamics, our energy is sinking down to merge with what's around us if we don't protect ourselves. So that feeling like you're off balance, you hear those words like disconnected or, you know, burnout and those Things happen, and they are real, but we tend to not acknowledge them as real in our society because it's not a physical thing that we can see. Does that make sense? Oh, sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, and I, I want to I go back around the, the should on yourself and should monsters, you call it. Um, I think that's, that is um, such a prevalent behavior in people or perception that people carry. Do you do you have some specific strategies that you recommend? Because saying you shouldn't shut on yourself <laughs> is so different than being able to get to the place of self-acceptance and uh, allowing who you are to, to be okay. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I go back to what the snake taught me, shed said those thoughts. So first of all, identifying them as a first step. You can say, hey, this is someone shooting on me or I'm shooting on myself. So being able to recognize it is the very most important first step. And then letting it go. Um, when you talk about energy dynamics amongst other people, then there are techniques like I worked with some ER physicians locally here in Nashville during the pandemic when it first hit and they were overwhelmed with um, the just uncertainty and the panic. And so we talked about raising up a shield, an invisible shield, to protect yourself from all of that uncertainty around you and protect your own energy to keep yours in and to keep theirs out from affecting yours. And another method that I talk to people about in business especially, it's called energetic judo. And if someone is attacking you or, um, you know, we've all had that happen in a meeting or on social media, you know, one time one of my neighbors posted something on social media about, uh, well, GTAB, you didn't make it to the kids' tour today, you know, at school. I hadn't committed to it. And immediately, you know, you want to defend yourself on social media. But instead, energetically, the more powerful thing was to do judo. They were spun up. They had a lot of energy. It was being directed at me at the moment. But instead of going back with something, which would have started this back and forth, like those balls in physics class where, you know, you drop one and it hits out the other side, um, you had this equal and opposite reaction. And so I instead used that energy and said, you know what, um, I had a work conflict and thanks for letting me know about that. We all want to do better for our children. We all want to be present and show up 
is there any idea that you have for um, how working parents could be more effective whenever the school has a special trip? So doing a question changes their energy dynamic. It's like doing a judo technique. You redirect that energy, and it comes at them in a different way. So she came back immediately and says, I'm going to start a Facebook group for parents so we can schedule um, our trips in the future. And that dynamic works with the crotchety guy in your meeting, your business meeting who's attacking your idea um, or who doesn't want to listen. Ask them their opinion because they're expecting you to react back. But in the judo way, if you instead take their energy and momentum and direct it elsewhere, it's really powerful. And that's also very true in relationships because I have found in my own personal life that when you get into a relationship that often it's, you know, you're, you know, stuff comes up, right? And so it's it's inevitable and often you feel like you're being attacked and then you want to attack back. And that's the behavior that you were just explaining that people want to defend and justify and one of the most powerful things I've learned after engaging in those sparring events and power struggles was to um, get to the place and go, okay, I get it. That's right. Thank you. <laughs> you yeah. know, I'll look at that, you know, and then it's like the game is over. The game is over. You can't continue that energy of going back and forth, which becomes just a, a really power struggle game. The, the game ends. And, you know, to move on. It does. And it's something, once you look through the lens of an energist, once you look at the world of energy dynamics of interaction back and forth, then you can see that just going back and forth in disagreement doesn't work. You know, it would be like um, whenever I was in renewable energy, a wise friend told me at the very beginning you know, um, developing these large solar arrays and renewable assets, you don't go out and say that you're going to replace all of the coal in the world because now you've just alienated everyone that believes differently than you do. Instead, you find positive solutions where everybody wins. And so we focused on financial business models that made a lot of sense. And so it was an economic investment that whether you love coal or you love solar, whatever you love, you still want to make money. And so it's finding those things that everybody's energy can get behind and accelerate versus, you know, choosing your battles by going against something else because you cancel each other out. It doesn't matter who's right. It's like that cartoon where one of the guys is standing at a giant nine and he sees the nine. And the other guy is on the opposite side, and he sees a six, and they're both right. <laughs> right. You know, and learning um, these strategies really makes life so much easier. You know, we can we can have more harmony. We can create more collaboration. We can actually learn from each other. And it's it's learning these things. Once you learn them, it's Kind of a blinding flash of the obvious, to be honest. But until you learn them, we're just in um, deep repetitive patterns of reaction. So, um, That's right. so, so what you're sharing is so valuable, right? Because we're 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 choosing how to respond rather than to be predictably reacting. 
We are. And if you think about it, you know, that's how you achieve wellness and balance. And both hate and love, they're both contagious. The more you give of them, you know, the more other people catch it and give it back to you. And so it's just being mindful of that dynamic and um, allowing it to keep you in positivity, to keep you in a positive state where you can stay mindful of what's going on. Mindfulness is not woo-woo, you know, self-actualization that only a couple of rare people can achieve. All of us are born with it, and we paradigm our way out of it as we grow in the years. But guess what? It's still there, and we can tap right back into it. So what are you doing now? What is your focus? You know, where is life taking you now? I am having such a great time talking to people about the experiences that I've had and sharing the book with them just to help any person not go through what I did. I want them to be able to fast forward through, you know, the burnout and the frustration and um, the perfectionism and just be able to fast forward through that. So that is a, a huge passion of mine. I recently started working with a boutique firm in Memphis, Tennessee, and um, I'll stay here in Nashville, but I went to work for this firm, and they do marketing insights, innovation, and strategy, all of which I've spent a lot of time doing, but I went to work for them because their owner felt he, he feels very strongly about purposeful transformation. And he will turn away a company if all they're interested in is making money. He wants to only work with the companies that are having purposeful transformations, like St. Jude is one of our clients. So I am loving working for this this little company called Southern Growth Studio. And I think that's the way of the future. I mean, if we don't have purpose in ourselves, if we don't have purpose in our companies, everybody's going to transform. Everything's going too fast. If we don't, then, you know, we're off of the ride of life. So we have to transform, but let's make it purposeful and meaningful. So that's what I'm up to right now, and and I'm pretty happy with it. Yeah, that's great. And to find companies that are operating from what I would call a more feminine model rather than just creating a business to make a lot of money at whatever, you know, whatever it takes, but to understand that um, you're, you know, creating something of, of meaning and serving others is what I would consider a feminine model, true feminine model of business. So you're, you know, you're generating something productive and you're also contributing to the community and making a difference to the employees and to whoever the customers are. And uh, ultimately, I think customers appreciate that authenticity. You know, it's such a fascinating area, isn't it, to have more heart-centered business. You know, have sound business practices and principles, but to be more heart-centered is a fascinating transformation that's happening with, with many companies. And you're right there at the forefront of, making it happen and seeing the success that that ensues. I think it's going to continue to happen. And if you look at the Silicon Valley giants that are warring 
for the top talent with each other, they have mindfulness rooms. They encourage people to practice yoga. They, you know, look at their nutrition and offer healthy snacks um, at work. They already get what the rest of the companies are starting to perk up their ears and say, how can we help people be more engaged, empowered, happy in their jobs? And they're realizing that when you're energized, you're a lot more productive. And um, so they're coming around to it, maybe by a different means, but they're getting there, and I'm excited about it. Well, I wonder about that. You know, that's an interesting subject because um, you can create environments where you encourage this kind of thing, but if the basic values of the company aren't aligned with it, I'm not sure it really matters. Whereas if companies I, truly aligned with serving, you know, that's a, that's, that's a whole different frequency, right? That is a whole nother podcast we could talk about where you have, um, you know, 10 paper values that you pass out on a business card and your culture is the exact opposite. And, you know, corporate traumatic stress disorder, it's a real thing because there are too many companies talking about, you know, how great they are and their wonderful values, but living a culture of numbers. And by numbers, I mean people are the numbers and the cogs and the wheel. And um, we've got to evolve past that. You know, you can make money and do really great business. Look at Patagonia and Ben and Jerry's um, business models. They make money, but they do great things. So you have written your book, Trust Your Animal Instincts, and it's subtitled Recharge Your Life and Ignite Your Power. And where are you going with that book? Because I know that once you have a book, your life really changes in a good way. It's the way it opens up possibilities. Yeah, I'm. Um, I'm interested to see um, where it goes from here. My personal game at this point is to share this book with others, and also to observe what is the next step from this. What is really resonating with people, and how can I create more clarity with that? Now, whether that's on the personal side or the business side, I'm not sure. But I do know that um, the theme that's in my mind next is purposeful transformation because that's broad enough to include both the business world and companies and their health as well as individual growth. And we know that we're happiest when we're following our passion. We have the highest vibe when we're following our passion. And so I know the answers. I'm not sure how I'll get to the next phase, whether it will be another book or um, just doing speaking engagements and um, things like this, but I sure do appreciate you asking me on your show today. Well, uh, you know, I do because, you know, from what you've shared and and you've been so generous in sharing your story with us, you obviously have had this major profound awakening. Uh, you know, I like to use the term transformation. And you have, um, as a result of this, you know, this this awakening, this stepping out of the matrix where you had to spend that time really being 
in solitude, being connected again to nature, which connects you back to yourself. You're a different person. And you've come with all these gifts and all these abilities from the time you've been in the corporate world and all the knowledge you've gained. But you're now sharing it in a new way and sharing it in a, a way that is creating much more harmony and, um, you know, loving energy. So, I, you know, I, I love it. I think that this is what we need. But, you, you know, you have to be the change to create the change. And I guess that's what I'm saying is if I acknowledge you for going through all the things you went through, having the courage to let go of the job, let go of the relationship, having to really face your fears and your health. And you, you know, emerge just like that, you know, caterpillar that emerges out of the chrysalis of that dark night of the soul. And that is really the frequency that you hold now. And that's the frequency that you bring into the world and bring into your work and whatever else your soul has in store for you. But because of who you've become, you're so much more powerful in the work that you're doing. Well, thank you for that. That means a lot coming from you. And I hope that what I'm saying will resonate with others and help them power their own potential. We have so much potential inside, and we can definitely tap into it. So that's where my heart is, is to follow that. And that is absolutely guaranteed, <laughs> absolutely guaranteed <laughs> to happen. So, you know, you, you know, and I mean, that's what I've learned and that's what I've observed and that's what I've experienced and teach in the world. It's like, you know, if you really want to create change, you just have to just vibrate with that frequency, just be that love, just do that work. And um, it, it changes around you. It's, it's communicated in a nonverbal way. People get it. And it opens many doors. So, again, reminds us the power and the importance of going inside and doing our spiritual work, healing ourselves, connecting more to the heart, you know, the heart, the heart. Not only is the heart what we recognize as the expression of the love, but the heart is the source of intuition. The heart leads us. The brain follows, right? The heart is the intelligence that we are reclaiming so it's just you know beautiful what you're doing and um, i just wish you the greatest success in all that you do and i know you will be and you will continue to be an inspiration out there into the world so let's tell people how they can get your book and learn more about what you're doing and follow you on social you know the social network scene give us a good website they can start with they can go to powering dash potential.com and don't forget the dash in the middle powering dash potential.com and there's information out there about what I'm up to Um, I'm on LinkedIn Tabitha A. Scott and my book trust your animal instincts recharge your life and ignite your power is online everywhere so Barnes and Noble uh, Amazon Walmart so if you just google my name and um it will come up. And it's a delightful read. You did a really good job. I have been reading it, and it's it's very uh, engaging. So um, I know people will love reading it and be inspired by what you have personally experienced and the message and the uh, wisdom that you share now. So thank you so much for being with us. It's been a pleasure, Tabitha. I wish you greatest success in all of 
that you're doing as this path unfolds, it'll be so interesting to see the amazing things that you create in your life. And I just wish you the best always. Oh, it has been my absolute pleasure, and I can't wait to see what happens next. Thanks so much. (laughs) Well, stay tuned. (laughs) It'll be an exciting episode (laughs) for sure. So you take care, and thanks again for being with us. Um, I've been having this wonderful conversation with Tabitha A. Scott, author of Trust Your Animal Instincts, Recharge Your Life, and Ignite Your Power. And you can learn more about Tabitha's work at powering-potential.com. So until next time, always honor the wisdom of your feminine self. Bye for now.